Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 Church is a new church in Goodyear Heights, Ohio, that's inviting friends into family. If you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. For more information about us, including our service times and live stream information, check out the links in our show notes or visit us online at 539.church. That's F-I-V-E 39.church. Please take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. Go ahead and grab a seat. And if you follow Jesus, you know the answer to that question about tomorrow night, the Browns, right? Either way, some of you, I lost you right there. But uh, yes, I got one up here. Either way, uh, thank you for being here today on our first birthday. Isn't it a beautiful day uh, for us as a church? Man, I'll tell you what, um, all week, I would say I get like super excited to preach all week, but on like Wednesday, um, I was like, I'm equally excited about all that God has done, but in the same breath, Man, I would tell you, just uh, humbled is a good word, sober, reflective, just a day of celebration. If this is your first time here, uh, thank you for coming. This is a day that we just celebrate all that God has done this past year. Hasn't he done a lot uh, this past year? Amen, right? We're going to look at numbers and all that stuff here in a second. If you got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 15, um, and it's going to take me a while to get there, but that's where we're going to be, um, Luke 15. Uh, if you don't have one, it'll be on the Sky Bible behind me. Don't you worry. But uh, either way, um, the reason today is so crazy is because when you step out in faith, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what's going to happen. It was eight years ago. I felt like I told God, hey, we'll, we'll do this thing and planning a church. And then it was two and a half years ago uh, that I was in a service just like this, man. And have you ever had God speak to you in a service, like just clear as day? Um, and I remember I like came up front and I was like, you know, during the worship, I had come down like it was right here and I got on my knees and it was January 19, 2021. And I felt like God pressed in me, John 21, 18, um, which says, hey, when you were younger, you used to do whatever you wanted, dress yourself, carry wherever you want to go. Now that you're older, you will put out your hands and another will carry you where you don't want to go. Um, and I wanted to plant a church, but how many of you know I like being comfortable? Like, I like having a job. Like, I had money and a family. It was safe. Everything was comfortable for me. And we didn't know what it was going to look like. If we could have seen today then, it wouldn't have taken any faith. Um, and how many of you know today, days like today, we don't need a lot of faith, do we? Um, you just don't because it's a, it's a high, it's a mountaintop. When you're in the valley, you need faith and to believe that God is good. And through this journey, man, I'll tell you what, um, we have needed faith for God to carry us. But today is just a day for us to celebrate. I'm going to preach. I got a message heavy on my heart. But uh, before we do that, I'm going to share some numbers uh, with you. And the numbers are in no way, shape or form um, to, for us to let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. It's, it's to do this. It's to celebrate God and also to celebrate us, like all of you. Like, this is what we're celebrating, what God has done through you. And as I share these numbers, I don't want you to uh, think, man, like, we're like a really sweet church. Like, we do a lot of cool stuff. We do, but we have one God who gets all the glory. Amen? And so that's what I'm going to do. The first number I have for us is the number four. Um, this is the amount of missions partners we have as a church. Um, we have four missions partners that we support monthly. And so if you give here, if you participate in that here, every month we have local, regional, and global missions partners uh, that, that we have as a church over this past year. That number is going to increase uh, going into 2024. Uh, second number is 12. 
12 is the amount of staff that our church has uh, to pull off church. And what we do when we started, we had three. Um, and really, 12 is full-time, part-time. We have volunteer staff. Like, we don't pay them anything. We give them, like, donuts, and they come, and they serve a ton. Um, and so uh, 12 is the amount of staff we have. Uh, next number is number 24. 24 is the amount of communities that we have, that's our small group ministry. If we were going to have enough small groups for, if everyone in the church decided to sign up, uh, we would need 40 of them. So, so we're not there yet, but we are very excited about the small group ministry that we have and Bible studies happening. Um, these next few might get a little emotional for me, but the next one is 46. Um, 46 is the amount of baptisms we have had since we've started the church. Um, isn't that incredible? Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to see a number and then, oh, that's cool. But to really let the number sink in, like each one is a person with a story, which is this next number for us is 115. Um, 115 people have indicated to us that they've made a decision to follow Jesus since we've started 539. Um, and I don't know about you, but I mean, for me, that, that there does it. I, don't, I couldn't ask for anything else. It's been 10x than what I could ever pray or thought or dreamed or imagined. Um, God has just continued uh, to use us and bless us. The next number is 1,000. Now, uh, I'm going to come at you because that's the number, the gallon of 1,000 gallons of coffee um, you guys have drank since we started the church. And we'll have a recovery ministry coming out for you addicts and... I don't know what that'll mean for some of you. And I'll be honest, I've had like two cups since we've started, two, maybe three or four, but either way, a thousand gallons of coffee. That's a lot. Our coffee ministry, give it up for Anna. We haven't given up for Anna in a long time. She's probably outside working and sweating and doing a lot. I mean, she is just a beast. So uh, next number, next number is 10,000, 10K, 10,000. That's how many donuts you guys ate this past year. Should I preach on gluttony? Yes, I will probably next fall. I don't know. It's coming out. 10,000 donuts. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot. Okay, uh, some more serious numbers. Uh, $49,411. This is the number of dollars you have given to missions as a church over this past year. Close to $50,000. Give it up for the Lord, right? I mean, just... Just incredible, incredible. Now, uh, before I throw this next number up on the screen, if you're new here, we, we haven't even preached on giving yet. Um, we, don't, we don't do this often. We don't even pass the plate uh, for us. Um, and there's a few reasons why, because God loves a cheerful giver, not a controlled one. Uh, we could try to control you to give, but that's not our MO. That's not what we do. We don't even talk about it yet. I probably should talk about it more uh, as a pastor. I will in January. But um, this first year, we, we, and for us, we could try to do things to make people give and all that stuff. And we, we decided early on, hey, we're not going to do that. We don't even bring it up. We don't even want to. And we just said, hey, God, we're going to trust you. And it, honestly, it was kind of like a you know, trial run. Like, hey, let's see how this goes. And uh, I, I was fighting with the Lord all week about sharing it because then there's always pastors who won't share the number. And it's like, well, maybe it'll slow it down or whatever. And I was like, hey, you know what? God like told me, I'll say he laid it on my heart, Baptist. He laid it on my heart. On a, Some of you got that joke. Uh, he laid it on my heart uh, on Wednesday night. And I was like, hey, I, I have to share. So, so here's what happened. We set a budget for the year. We don't bring it up. And then we just trust that God will bring it in. And if you want to give, you can if you're new here, if you're visiting, we say don't give. And so what you guys did was you basically doubled what we had budgeted, which is 700. 
$64,000 in 63, $63.43. Um, I don't even... I don't even have words for that stuff. Um, I really don't. Um, it's just God's blessing right now. Um, don't even have like a framework for it. Um, it's just super, I'll talk to other pastors and they'll say, how's it going? And I honestly don't want to tell them half the time because I'm like embarrassed of how good it is. I'm like, it's going beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. This has allowed us to increase services and staffs and mission and outreach. And I mean, it's, it's a huge part. Every penny that comes in, we take to a large consideration of what we're doing with it. Um, our elders don't take that lightly. Um, for you to know, I don't know who gives what. That's not in my wheelhouse. I don't, I don't even have like access to that stuff. Uh, so really, we just pray and ask God that he would bring in the money for the people we're trying to reach in this community. Amen. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for trusting God with your giving here. That means the world to us, and we don't take that lightly. So... Um, with that said, I need to preach. Can I preach? Is that okay with you guys? Is that cool? Uh, okay, okay. Before we do that, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Oh, Jesus, we thank you. You are so good. You are so good. We thank you for your grace and your love and really how you've guided us as a church. Whether people been with us since jump, before jump, afterwards, they've been here a couple months, I pray that you would help us to honor you in all that we do. And God, pray that you would get the glory at our church, and God, that would you do um, only what you would do. The, the, the number that matters in all that we just said is the number one, is there's one God who gets the glory in Isaiah you give to no other. And so, Lord, we pray that it would be safe here at 539. We wouldn't steal it. God, today we would just celebrate you and all that you've done. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And before we say amen, we pray the Browns would win tomorrow night. In Jesus' name. Amen. I got one amen over here. Any Browns? That's a real prayer. That's a real prayer. Week one was strong, but I don't know. I don't know. I got to see some more stuff. Anyway, Luke chapter 15. If you got your Bible, grab it. Luke 15. We're going to start out in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. If you'd pull it up for me on the screen. Um, I've titled today's message, Hurry, Come Home. Hurry, Come Home. Here, here's, here we go. Um, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Um, there's two groups of people here. Uh, you have the tax collectors and sinners. This isn't like a group of people that's, they're like, that's what they do somewhat. It's who they really are. It's their identity. Um, tax collectors and sinners are the type of people that think the building would burn down if they came in. Uh, some of you have invited someone to church, and they're like, that thing will burn down, right, if they came in. That's tax collectors and sinners. They're drawing near to hear him. Now, if we're not careful, I, I believe the Pharisees and the scribes, they're drawing near to hear Jesus too. Um, Pharisees and Sadducees, we'll, we'll, we'll come at you next week because we'll finish the story next week. But those are the type of people that can define mercy but can't extend it. Uh, they know the three Greek words for love, but they've never had to actually apply it. Um, they, they, ha they know a lot about Bible and God, but it really doesn't uh, sit well in their heart when someone else is giving grace. Like they want people to pay for what they've done. I'm preaching too much on that. That's next week. Come back next week. Either way, um, the tax collection centers, Jesus is drawing this crowd to him. And he draws a crowd, man. He starts to preach. He tells a story. People are coming near. And he tells one parable in four different ways. Uh, the first one, he talks about the lost sheep. How someone, there's a farmer, he had 100 sheep and he lost one. And he leaves the, man, as we just sang, he leaves the 99 to get the one. Amen? 
You could be in a crowd, man, but God has a heart for the one. That's what this is about. And then he talks about how there's a woman who lost a coin in a house. And when she lost the coin, what she do? She sweeps the house. She turns the lamp on. She tries to find it. She'll do anything because God has a heart for the one. Amen? Right? And so then he goes on. And we're going to read verses 11. Uh, We'll be in this story 24. And like I said, we'll do 25 to 32 next week. But here's how it goes. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had. Next slide for me, please. Gathered all that he had, all that he had. And he took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. If you underline in your Bible, right, that's, that's important to note. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself among one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So, real quick, you have a son who wants what his dad has, but he doesn't want a relationship with dad. Um, And what he does is he says, Dad, I don't want you. I want your stuff. And you and I, um, all all of us on a collective level, individually have done this to God. Um, God, I don't want you. I want your stuff. I want the things that you could give me. I want an inheritance. I want gifts. I want money. I want it all now. And how many of you know, man, if you won the lottery, you'd blow it in a weekend, just like this guy right here. So he is given the inheritance. Now, there's really two camps here. There's some of you, when you read the story... Uh, you think of like the really, really bad stuff. Like you think drugs, you think prostitution, debauchery, you, you think that stuff, which there's a portion of you when you run from God, it, it was that man. It was just the, the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. And then there's some of us, I think you subtly run from God. Like it's, it's just what we would call the American dream. It's called the pursuit of happiness, right? It's called, hey, uh, you just don't want what God has for your life. You want what you have for your life. Uh, I've said often, if you have plans and God has plans, somebody has to yield, right? And and we also learn from the story, there's just some reasons God won't give you uh, what you really want because you can't handle it, Um, right? Too much, too fast, too soon. I mean, our, our our prodigal son here, um, he, he blows it in a, in a weekend, I think. I think it's too much, too fast. Um, and a lot of you, you're on this hamster wheel. Of, you're not doing anything crazy bad. Like, you're, you're not doing nothing crazy, but you're also not pursuing Jesus. Um, and, and here's what, what I would say for you. It's in Jeremiah 2.25. It's in the message translation. I love this one. He says this, hey, slow down. Take a deep breath. Ever done that before? Let's do it as a, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyway? Some of you just need to ask, hey, what am I after, man? Take a deep breath. Hey, why are we wearing ourselves out? For what? For who? Who am I, who am I pleasing? What am I doing with all this stuff that God has given to me? Natural gifts and talents and abilities and, and finding all this stuff. And, and we just put ourselves and say, hey, God, I don't want you. I want the stuff. And I'll talk about it in this way for us, that God will let you run from him and use what's his. Um, This will seem controversial to a few of you. Um, God's plans are optional, meaning this, he'll let you choose. I believe we have a God who lets us choose. I think love is letting someone choose. Adam and Eve had a choice to do right or wrong. The prodigal son has a choice. God's plans are optional. 
How many of you know, because he doesn't have robots, he has children and he'll let us choose. But here's how good God is. He'll let you run from him and use what's his. Why is that God being good? Because he's gonna let you reach the bottom. Um, so, some of you, some of you, when I say the bottom of the barrel, like spiritually, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can see it in your eyes. You're like, uh-huh, been there, done that, right? You, you've been there. Now, some of you, um, everyone's bottom is different. It's on their timetable, right? And God is so good. He's just gonna do one of these numbers. He'll be like, oh, is that what you want? Go for it. Oh, go get it. Yeah, go, 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 go. Go get it because you're gonna reach the bottom and guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna come back to me right? God's going to let you do that. He's going to let you run from him and use what's his. A lot of us, I mean, parents, how many of you, you want the bottom for your kids to be like on your timetable, Um, right? They do like one thing wrong when they're a sophomore and you're like, get them Lord, right? But for you, it took like 25 years Um, because that's just, that's just how it works sometimes. Um, But God will let you run from him and use what's his. Also, this is true. We're never lonelier when we're furthest from the father, I say this on a regular basis because it's important how you read the Bible. Where does the prodigal son find himself in the passage in verses 15 and 16? What's he doing? <clears throat> yeah, he's eating, he's eating what pigs eat and he's in the crap. I know some of you don't like that, but, but when you read the Bible, you just read it, but you don't like actually see what's going on. He's literally, literally in the field with the pigs. I don't know about you. I grew up on a farm. I know what pigs look like and smell like and sound like and all that mess. You don't want to be there, right? And here's what we do. We are never more miserable, lonelier when we're furthest from God we're just, I mean, and for us, it's like, we just keep chasing it. We just keep running. doesn't matter who tells you, how they tell you. You didn't even know you were coming to church today. You've been running from God. Someone was like, there's tacos. And you just came, right? You have no idea. You're like, there's tacos out there, right? Someone don't leave yet. Um, you, you just, you don't, you, but you're lonely, right? And this is how good the Lord is. He'll let you reach the bottom of the barrel. He'll let you. And guess what he still does? We're going to see he extends the arm. If you look up what a prodigal is, it is someone who's reckless, careless, and spends money in an extravagant way. This is what we do on a spiritual level to God. God, I don't want to follow, I can't, or some of us, we got one foot in, one foot out. You kind of try it out for a little bit and see if it'll work. It's kind of like karma. You're like, I'll go to church and see if this whole thing will go well. I'll kind of join a small group and see if God blesses me. And if he doesn't, then I'm out. I'll try to honor him with my money. But if he does, right, we, we try that stuff. But here, it's just a fact. Followers of Jesus, we don't have our lives together completely. Um, we just have purpose in the Father, right? We've said, hey, our, our mission statement is people, less than 5% of people live apart from God and his community. And we said, hey, we want to invite people into family because that is tremendously important because when you're far from the Father, you're lonely, right? Let's continue on in the passage in verse 17. It says this, but when he came to himself... All right, if I could stop, if I had an hour left to preach and you wanted to stay in the 1130, we jammed up traffic, kids, baptisms. I'd preach for a while about this. How many of you know there's a time when you just wake up spiritually? When you come to your senses, it's a wake-up moment. It's a wake-up moment. This happens, and he's sitting there. I think he's in the crap. I think he's eating what pigs are eating, and he's like, what am I doing It's a wake-up moment. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about, a wake-up moment, where you find yourself in a situation, you're like, what am I doing? A couple weeks ago, um, I I accidentally ended up at a movie theater alone. 
Um, now, there was other people there, but I had no friends with me. Um, never have, have I ever done that in my life. I kind of like got there and I'm sitting down, all these people there. Don't worry, the kids were taken care of. My wife was fine. I was like, wait a minute, do I have no friends? Why am I here alone? I wanted to leave. I stayed. Great movie. I won't tell you what it is. Anyway, but when he came to himself, he said, here's what he said. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise. Okay, here's what he does. When you think of coming to God, you play out what you're going to do to make things right. You got a plan, a confession plan, a works plan. I'm going to do the right things if I say the right things, if I say the, how I say it, when I say it. This could go well for me. So he's practicing. Some of you, you're like, all right, I'm going to go to church. I got to go get some clothes, some ones that really look good. Um, I got to make sure I stop doing this on the weekend. Okay, I got to make sure I don't drink it. You know, I can't get drunk on Saturday night, and I can't smoke this, and I can't. Got to break up with that person. Oh, that's too personal. You guys are like, what are we talking about? That's too real. Here's what happens. You play this out, and you say, once I stop, I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation. Once I stop doing this, after a couple months, then I'll come to church. I could preach this all day long. It doesn't matter. I have to keep saying it every week. You can't clean yourself up and come to God. It doesn't work, but you in your mind and in your heart think, I have to be a better person, and then I can come home. You just believe the lie. God takes you as you are, not the cleaned up version of you, not the external one, the one that everyone's like, man, you look so good today. Baptism, I'm so glad you're here. He wants you, we're gonna see. I'm sorry, we gotta roll. He says this, here's, what, here's his practice. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Um, a few things here. The father, we see an example here of God. His heart is soft. God is patient. Forgiveness is immediate. And he's waiting. <sighs> He comes over the hill, and who runs? Who runs? Imagine there's the shame, like you, some of you come into church, or I've seen people come walking through the doors, literally start crying right when they get through this door over here, and they're like, feel so much shame. And you, you have this feelings of guilt, and guess what? The father sprints. He runs to him, and he has compassion, and he ran, he braced him, he kissed him. All this stuff is happening. There's so much going on in this passage. And he practices the confession. Three things I want to talk about. First one is this. Home with Jesus is what your heart is longing for. Um, you reach a point where you have to say this. Hey, hey, my way is not what working. It just doesn't work anymore. Like, I'm just tired. Some of you, you came here on accident. Someone dragged you, baptism, first time here, whatever. It's just not working anymore. That's what followers of Jesus are. We're a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. All of us just say, hey, our way stopped working, and we came to Jesus, and he helps us. And we have a home, and that's it. That's it. Home with Jesus is what your heart is longing for. Second thing is this. God's not shocked when you smell like sin. Um, <laughs> oh, I got my guy up here helping me out. Um, a lot of you think when you come in, when you come in, everyone's going to go, oh, guess who's here? I saw them three weeks ago doing you don't want to know what, right? You think everyone's like shocked, right? And here's what's true. Does the father gasp at sin? 
No, I'm sorry I'm yelling. He's not. He doesn't, he doesn't gasp. He's not shocked. You think when you come in, we're going to be like, oh, you're a sinner? You mean you did what? We're kind of like, yeah, same, like years ago. You should come. He's not shocked by sin. And that you smell like sin. How many of you know sometimes people just smell like sin? Like, you know what I'm talking about. Can we be real Sunday morning at church? All right, I got like four people. The rest of you are like, how do you know? You just, you just smell like it. Like, we know, we know. And guess what? Guess what? He runs to him. God is not shocked when you smell like sin and neither are we. We're just like, hey, if you, if you need the father and if you need family, you come to me. In verse 13, I want to talk about this. It says, reckless living. Here's my point. A reckless life brings a reckless love. Um, a lot of you, some of you, it makes you uncomfortable. We were singing that song and you're like, hey, reckless love. You're, you're, you're uncomfortable to sing it. Um, let me define this for us for a moment. The son is living a reckless life and the father's love knows no bounds to which he will go to love you. God's love is not out of control and careless and wasteful. It's endless and extravagant. It's personal. If you would say, I have made too many mistakes, I can't come to God. He would say, I will come to you. That's what he does. His love is so profound, so deep, so personal. Listen, hey, here's how this plays out. For some of you, you forget that Jesus loves you. You know what I'm talking about? You, you forget Jesus loves me, this I know for the what? Bible, 10 a.m., strong today. Bible tells me so. Seriously, you forget that he loves you? Like he knows everything about you? Everything, your intrusive thoughts, your past, your present, what you've planned to do. He knows all of that mess and he loves you. Isn't that crazy? It's an endless love that's personal and profound towards you. Reckless living brings a reckless love. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you've come in today on the authority of this thing right here, the cross and the resurrection and the power of the gospel. You can be forgiven in Christ, amen? That's how this thing works. A reckless life brings a reckless love. Even when we sang it, some of you are a little uncomfortable. You're like, you don't even want to say the words. You want to know why? Because we have to come to grips with how unworthy we actually are. Like we have to, the reality of how broken we are. Um, let, let me continue in the passage. I'm not going to finish all my notes, but I'm going to finish the passage, I promise you. Um, 21 to 24. And the son said to him, so he gets back, they embrace, they kiss, they hug. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. We're going to talk about that. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. In the previous passage, his confession said this. Hey, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. How many of you know it's good sometimes when a parent cuts you off? Like you start to say something and they're like, hey, stop. So he gets ready to say, treat me as a slave. And the father says, hey, stop what you're saying. But the father said to his servants, hey, I've heard enough. I don't need to hear it. Hey, some of us, and I'll talk about this more next week. I'm sorry. What we do, what we do, if you're not careful, you'll want to lecture the son on what he did when he was wrong instead of celebrate that they're home. Like, you want to get out the whiteboard? Man, you hurt grandma. You did this. You, did, you spent this amount of money. You better go get it back. You better go apologize. You better do this. You better do this. Hey, you did this. We were gone. We were broken for you, sick for you. We were worried sick about you. He doesn't do that. We want to bring justice, right? You want all this stuff. Guess what? A father's love shatters that. And he says, hey, you can stop now. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe 
and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again and he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. It says in Ephesians 2 that every single one of us when we are born, we are born into sin and that when we're in Christ, we're made alive in Jesus, spiritually alive. Baptisms, what we're about to celebrate, um, every single one of them in every salvation story is not like, hey, they used to be really bad people, and now we're like really good moral people. Like now you should just, we're, we're the best. No, Here, here's the story. Hey, you were dead in, dead in your sins, alive in Christ, amen? That's what happens, and he's, he's laying this out for them. He's playing this picture. Now, here's what we have to talk about this morning. We have to is my sin issue is with God. Um, he says this in the passage, he said, even in his practice, and then in verse 23, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Um, it says in Psalm 51, for David says this, against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. And I want to say something clear, but I want to say something um, that needs to be said. We as a people... We are more sensitive toward our sin, toward other people, than we are toward God. You feel more guilty when you've wronged your mom or your brother or your sister. You're more sensitive toward that, but you can sin against God and you feel nothing. Um, we live in a day and age where people, are, their feelings are more drawn toward pleasing others and making sure everything's cool instead of, hey, I've sinned against a holy God and I need to be made right with him. Um, and a lot of you need to hear this. Hey, when you sin, when you've done something wrong, yes, against people, but more so against God. If you're crying and sobbing and guilty about what you've done to your neighbor, it's, it's more important that you see what you've done against a, a holy God. That's so important to see. And he says, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And as a culture, this plays into this as well. Um, we have a terrible, terrible, inaccurate view of ourselves I'm going to talk about this in November, talking about the mind of Christ. But for today, I'll say this. A lot of us, you're on this side where you hate yourself. Like you, you act, absolutely hate yourself. You have thoughts and intrusive thoughts and all this mess. And then on the other side, you like love yourself. Like you're at the center of the universe and everyone loves you because you're amazing. And you're over here. Not you. There's other people at other churches like that. But either way, and, and, and you have these two extremes. And what we have to do is take God's word and have an accurate view of God, myself, and others. How do I, how do I have this view that if I've sinned against God, hey, my issues with capital G, before I'm worried about this, so hey, I've been praying all week, God, would you give me, would you give us a sensitivity toward you? If I've sinned against you, God, but I have more of a heart drawn to that. And so, a few things here. Number, number one, in verse 21, we see the son's confession. I'll say this, go to God honestly if you want to experience his forgiveness fully. Sometimes when you, when you come to church or God or people and you start to confess, don't you like got stuff behind your back? Like the one or two things that you'll kind of, you know, you're like, hey, you, you'll, you'll, you'll give a little bit to see how people respond like you'll give them like the stuff they might know and maybe someone told them, but then you got like the stuff stuff. Here, here's what's true. In Psalm 139, all of our sin is made known in his presence. He already knows. I think God is waiting to see for some people say, hey, I'll confess it 
honestly. Why? Because I want forgiveness fully. The son comes back home and his expectation is, hey, I have to work for this. I have to be better. I have to do more. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be a slave. And the father says, hey, you've already started to confess it. Come home. Hey, you're here. Here's what's true. In Psalm 139, even before a word is on your very tongue, God says, I know it all the well. Here's what's true. When you start to confess to God and it hits your throat, he already knows He's like, hey, come, come here. Hey, if you want forgiveness fully, hey, come here, come, come, come to me. And here's what, uh, a few things about this passage. He brings out the robe. He says, hey, go get the robe. That is held specifically for guests in honor. He says, hey, get a ring. It communicates authority within the family. He says, hey, sandals for his feet. That is a symbol of restoring sonship. And then he brings the fattened calf, which is a symbol of celebration. Why? Because my son was once lost, and now he is found. God has not turned his back on you, and neither will we. God, I believe, is waiting for you to come home, and I think so, so will we. God is not shocked by your sin, and neither are we. No, no matter the amount of shame that you might feel, here's a few things. Um, <clears throat> when you come to Jesus... Um, you don't really know what it's going to look like. You feel a little embarrassed and, hey, what's it, how's this going to play out? Um, grace from Jesus will always make you feel like you're getting away with something because why you are, right? And so God hasn't turned his back on you. Wherever you find yourself, this is, this is just matter of fact. Hey, there's no other way to say this. And this is how we'll, we'll close um, this morning. In John 14, John 14, verses 2, 2 and 6. It says this, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? This is verse two, and Jesus says in verse six, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the father except through me. Some of you've heard, I bet all of us have probably heard this verse on some level, but the problem is a lot of us live our way, we live our truth, and we live our life. And then guess what happens? You is what you get in return, which is a very, very empty pursuit. It leaves us empty. And, and here, here's what we do. We, we, we see people through the lens of their brokenness, right? Even in the story, guess what the father didn't do? He didn't have to hear the whole story first. Well, hey, tell me what happened. Tell me what, he didn't do all that. He just brought him in. Hey, throw a party. Hey, throw a celebration. That's why we got today all this stuff. We're throwing a huge party and everything else for, for people and life change and what God has done, right? And, and, and for a lot of you, you think you got to have it all together. And he says, hey, no. And, and here's, here's what's true. It's, it's just time for some of you. It's just time to come home. It's just time to come home. How much more would God have to do? Um, how much more would you have to go through? And for some of you, you've been following Jesus for years but you've been like kind of tiptoeing around and all this other stuff. It's just time to come home. Um, past, past couple weeks, I've been convicted as just to the max about invitations at our church. And some people might say, hey, why, why, why do we give invitations and a chance for you to respond to Jesus? Because every single week um, I run into people, our staff runs into people. You haven't been in church in 20 years or it's your first time in church. I see people all the time come out. I've never been to church in my life. First Sunday ever. How many of you know, because it says in Luke 15, 7, that there's more joy in heaven over one person who repents, amen? And so that, that's, that's what this is about. That's what we're about. And so for some of you, it's just time. It's just time. So let's pray. Let's just go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you. 
God, I pray for those of us who follow Jesus, that the gospel, that the power of God, and we'd remember our story, that it would ignite in us a first love. We'd never grow cold or stale to this thing. And Lord, your word says in John 1, all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God. And if you're in this room, if you're lobby, if you're overflow, wherever you're at, you're listening to us online, you wanna give your life to Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess and believe, you will be saved from your sin. It's just time to come home. That the cross and the resurrection is the work that needs to be done. You don't need to do anything. You just come to him honestly and experience his love and grace and forgiveness. And if that's you today and you're crying out in your seat and you need God to save you, would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? I wanna pray for you. We wanna walk with you. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, yep, thank you. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those who have received you as Savior. God, I pray that heaven today would be made loud. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son. Without Jesus, none of this is even possible and we're not here today. So Lord, we just give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And we pray this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. I want to thank you for being here in about five minutes. We're going to have baptisms outside. So if you want to head out that way, uh, we'll see you out there in a minute.